Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Why is the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services stockpiling drugs against radiation poisoning? What happened on the banks of the Pascagoula River, Mississippi, on October 11, 1973? How do you really help a ghost in distress? And uh, I think before Ben kicks in, I'm going to correct something that our very dear friend, Craig Pelletier... I think was... he corrected himself on the air, but... Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah he did. Uh, now he's been it. on the air for 36 hours with Autumn Fest. I can certainly understand. But we, you do not check your brain at the door. You will need it when uh, you listen to this show. Unless you walk outside. He's the guy who wrote last night that people should get college credit for listening to this show or uh, one of the listeners. Uh, yeah, well that was an email from two years ago that could have changed. Yeah, we, we may become dumber since then. <laughs> Alright, hello there, welcome to the 493rd edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben and those pretty scientific questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal my dad. So this evening we bring you a uh, kind of paranormal variety show. And uh, the new with news items that we rarely have a chance to discuss, and uh, some letters as well from our giant uh, pile of them in our basement. And you are certainly welcome to call in uh, locally. The number is 401-766-1240 or 800-449-1240 from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada. So let's get right down to it. Okay, now this is a little bit unusual for us. Uh, I We usually do not get into conspiracy theories, but this kind of made me wonder... Um, this is a press release that I received from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, <coughs> dear old uh, Catherine Sebelius' department, and it has to do with stockpi- the HHS stockpiling products to treat acute radiation syndrome. Now, one would th- now, now that that's not a bad idea. It's always a good idea to be prepared. But I'm wondering, do they know something we don't know? Now, obviously, there's always the danger of terrorism and these terrible things that have happened to our country in the last decade or so and uh, longer and uh, i'm wondering uh, we're really why homeland security isn't handling this uh but i suppose it does make sense and i'm not questioning it it's just it it, it sort of made me wonder because we're not conspiracy theorists here but are they expecting something bigger than a terrorist attack because i'm thinking of uh, some of the suspicions that i personally have about the possibility of, and I hate to say it, um, some sort of warfare over the next few years. Uh, this is not. Some or it kind could of be some leftover radiation from uh, <clears throat> somewhere else. I mean, there's all sorts of radiation. There are all sorts of. Re- it, it just struck me as a little bit odd. So I'm not going to read it or go into it. I'm just, and I know it is. It is best just to be pointing prepared. it out. I'm not criticizing. I just, it, it just. So it just hit, struck something inside me that's that's a little odd. Right, right, right. right. All right, so we'll get to back to more, our more normal, abnormal discussions here on the show. Uh, we have uh, some messages that only uh, we have stuff that goes back to 2009 and some stuff that came in yesterday. Uh, one of those is was coming in on Facebook uh, this morning, and uh, Ben can read the first one there. It's from who is the who is it? Somebody in Salem, Mass. Yeah, uh, Chuck from uh, Salem. He uh, goes on to say, I heard your show last night and found it fascinating, especially uh, when you answered the question about uh, what multiverse does to faith in God. You said it enhances it and uh, everything has to keep growing instead of uh, just continuing, including God. So that is uh, really mind-expanding. But let me ask you this. If all possibilities already exist in the multiverse, how can it keep expanding? Wouldn't there have to be uh, new worlds being created all the time? Okay, well, it's a very good question. Uh, and the, the, the question upon which this question is based was read, as I say, last night on our CBS edition. And 
we do get into lots of things that people might not associate with the paranormal on this paranormal show. A lot of people think that when they first see it that we talk about ghost hunting and all this stuff that I consider mostly ridiculous. Uh, however, we do believe in the paranormal. I have seen it in ways that most people have not over 43 years of experience in it, uh, starting when I was studying for the priesthood. And that latter fact leads to many questions about God, people writing in. Uh, many people don't like what I say because it, I don't agree with their, their, they blame me for not embracing their religious beliefs. And they, they figure I'm, I'm in the, I was in the seminary for many years and ought to toe the line. However, I do not. The question last night was based on our point of view that what we refer to as the multiverse is what pretty much everything is based on, our whole experience of reality, and particularly the paranormal, which is probably the most obvious manifestation of it. This comes from some ideas in some fringe areas of physics, quantum mechanics particularly, that uh, have been accepted by many, many physicists. And that is one particular idea called the multiple worlds interpretation, that we, uh, what we see around us is not what we get. We are part of a large interactive system of parallel worlds or universes or realities in which, uh, if you take them all as a whole, all possible outcomes, all possible pasts, all possible futures not only exist in a concrete way, but exist simultaneously. Hence, you can see someone who has died, and it's not their spirit, it's them. That's the idea that that started hitting me in the late 1970s when I was working on some pretty wild cases. So that's what this idea is based on. So the question last night was, what does this do to our idea of God? So the first question there to respond is, what is your idea of God? I very often will talk to people. Uh, I've, I've even talked to people who say, oh, well, you're, you're, you're expressing heresy, you know, false doctrine. And I say, and I'll listen to them and their ideas, and as one who has a theological education, I'll find heresy after heresy in what they're saying. So I mean, it really does come down, and a lot of the, the ancient fathers of the church admitted this and said it outright, that in the end it really comes down to you and God. That is where the line is drawn. Uh, that is where the uh, rubber hits the road, to use cliches. That's what counts. So the question is, what do our multiverse ideas do do to idea do 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 to our idea of God? What do they do to our speech as well? In the matter of of our ideas about God, we have a one dimensional, or I'll say three dimensional idea of God. God is uh, some sort of cosmic vending machine at worst, and at best, some sort of old man with a white beard sitting in the sky which I always found very interesting. And uh, if you're a Christian, you believe that you've got perhaps the Trinity, which you probably don't understand. Uh, no one really does. And uh, the, that brings in Jesus and the Holy Spirit, etc., etc., etc. But it's, it's really a, a two-dimensional God, I think, three-dimensional at most. What the multiverse idea does to this is, first of all, expand, I think, God's love. In other words... We were always taught, whether you went to Catholic school or any other kind of religious education, and especially if you were ever in the seminary, you were taught that the creation is the result of God's love, in particular, God's love for us. We, we I think, are rather arrogant in our setting of ourselves above all the rest of creation, which has created a lot of problems for our planet, but that's another story. So the issue here is, what if you have unbounded love, which is what God is supposed to have? You make an unbounded creation. You create all possible creations 
in this multiverse scenario. I think it fits perfectly with the whole idea of a very loving God. And then there was another dimension to the question last night, and that was, well, okay, if you've got a God with unbounded love, how come there's such unbounded pain in the world? And this is the age-old question that everybody asks. You know, somebody dies, they love, so they turn against God, or they don't pray anymore, if they even understand what that means, and this kind of thing. Well, you know, that makes me sick. First of all, there is the possibility, I think, that, that, and this is what uh, Chuck's question from Salem gets into, maybe the whole of creation isn't created yet. Maybe God himself, if it's him, he, she, it, or them, I know that's not even relevant. Maybe God is still growing, still learning. Maybe God is all-loving, but hasn't grown completely yet. Now, that's very, very much, uh, that is heretical, I guess, according to most uh, established doctrines. But who came up with doctrines? People's interpretation, in my opinion. And uh, if you point to the Bible, the translations are just awful, so who knows what it actually even said in the beginning. So... This is where this question has, has come from. And Chuck's question gets down to that. If in the multiverse idea, you've already got all possible creations, uh, everything is already there somewhere or somewhen, including God, how can things keep growing and expanding? Why don't they just keep continuing? How, how can this philosophy be squared with this idea? Well, I don't think there was a problem there. I think you can have all possible creations and things can keep growing because possibilities keep expanding. Uh, many physicists who believe this will use the example, and I use it in my book, Turning Home, the example of a, of a cup dropping. You're washing the dishes in the evening in the kitchen and, and you're, 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 you have a cup in your hand and it's got soap on it and it slips and it falls down on the floor and breaks. Well, you have, according to classic quantum physics, another world being created. The world in which you continue, you continue washing dishes without breaking the cup continues, but, a wor- but the multiverse grows a little because you've created a world in which the cup broke. And this is the, gets back to the old time paradox of what happens when you go back and if you go back in time and you shoot your own grandfather, how could you be born? Well, that's not how it works. When you shoot the grandfather, according to this theory, what you're doing is creating another universe in which the grandfather is dead. The one in which you were born simply keeps going and expanding and expanding and expanding and expanding. And time really having no meaning, the question, what does this do to God? How can God keep growing or anything else if all these possibilities exist? The question has no meaning. The dichotomy has no meaning. Well, I mean, it's like if there are infinite possibilities, that means everything can be can keep being... Uh, can keep being created <laughs> well, that, through, through that, different decisions. True. I mean, just because you're like, well, I mean, there's an infinite amount of things. How can things keep going? Well, it's like, well, it's infinite. It can keep going. <laughs> well, that's can you fill up infinity? Well, no. And, and we say no. So that answers the question. Done. The question is irrelevant. Moving on. <laughs> okay, there we are. So thank you, Chuck. A good question, though. Uh, the next one is from P- Petra in Steubenville, Ohio. Ooh, all right, so uh, Petra writes to us, Hi, Paul and Ben, I really enjoy your show, but sometimes your answers are very unsatisfying. I am oh, the kind oh. of person ghosts come to help, uh, come to for help. In other words, I keep running into situations where they contact me if I uh, go to a place they are haunting. 
Uh, I feel a tap on the shoulder or a voice in my ear asking for help. You say they are not dead people, so who are they? I want direction, and I want to try to uh, direct them toward the light, but just as often, I don't know how to advise them. Uh, does this ever happen to you? Well, that's a complicated question, Petra. I, I think you are coming from the usual approach to the paranormal, and uh, I will... I think dem- we will demonstrate that. We're speaking at the Lincoln Public Library on October 23rd, <coughs> I believe, at 7 p.m. she's from Ohio. <laughs> well, hey, she, th- that's you what, the, what do you think they have airplanes for? Uh, well, no, no, I'm not sa- saying that she, <coughs> excuse me, personally should, should come, but I hope she can. Anyway, the point being that uh, <coughs> there is a certain point of view on the paranormal. <coughs> excuse me. Would you like some water? Uh, thank you, son. I would appreciate that. Okay. A certain point of view on the paranormal that... Uh, personifies the 19th century two-dimensional idea that we were talking about. And people look at the God the same way they look at ghosts, really. They must be spirits of the dead because you went to their funeral and there they are. So that's really the only explanation people can think of. So this seems to be the framework from which you are writing to us, Petra. We don't believe they're dead because death cannot exist in the multiverse. It is simply... Impossible, and because that that's that's something of a paradox. Because uh, where where you have a multiverse in which all possibilities are possible, how can you not have death? Well, of course, there's you go to people's funerals, your body wears out, uh, leaves fall off trees, things of this kind. However, uh, what's really happening here is that is that um, well, I use the the analogy of, a, of an apartment house. You grow up in a large apartment house. Okay, thank you, Ben. You have never been outside of your apartments, very large, very spacious. And uh, somehow your a member of your family disappears, all right? They move out of the apartment. You don't re- you don't realize that. And they perhaps move to another apartment in the building or out of the building completely. Uh in in your framework, they have disappeared, they have died. Uh perhaps you saw them lying on the couch, uh, you didn't know what was happening, they were ill, and maybe they just went to the hospital or something like this. But you get the point. The point of view we have is very limited and is not good enough to explain reality. I think what's actually happening here when you are communicating with these entities, Petra, and some of them may be people, some of them may not, everything is out there because all possibilities exist, uh, you are dealing with actual people. That's Yes, and to answer your question, it has happened to me all the time. When I started realizing this in the late 70s and would be on paranormal cases, I would never ever try to communicate. That's a dangerous thing to try and do. But if you are in a quiet state and you encounter, I, I would refer to them as neighbors from some of these parallel realities. I think that's what they are. We're all kind of, a lot of us are in the same boat. Some are good, some are not so good, and some are neutral, I suppose, like we are. Uh, there is a certain uh, realization that can occur. Uh, some of them are not in good places. Some of them, like us, have problems. Like us, some of them have stresses, frustrations. They have issues. And this is, this is what comes across when you have the 19th century idea that these are dead people with problems. Okay? I don't personally see the point in dying if you still have problems, but I, that's me. So I think if you, if you perhaps uh, see your way clear to perhaps uh, expanding your mind to the point where you can see these different points of view and realize what it really is that I believe you're dealing with. And we could be wrong, I don't know. Uh, but we hear this all the time, that people uh, change their attitudes toward what these are, that they're, they're just people 
They're not dead. They don't have to go to any light because that's a, that's a dangerous thing to, to really do. Uh, and to simply send out compassion and an understanding mind, and they will respond to that. And as we respond to theirs, we often will feel loving presences. The point is that this multiverse is an open system. There's constant give and take. Uh, energy comes and goes between worlds. That seems to be how it's organized. So that, I think, is what's happening to you. Uh, when you cannot communicate, the, 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 the overlap of the worlds is not good enough. You sound like some sort of person, I would say, Ben, uh, here who is uh, very open to this and can pick up these uh, stimuli. Well, I mean, it, it, comes, it, it comes down to your frame of reference or your context yeah, or whatever. It's easier if you see it our way, I hate to put it that way, because as I say, we could be wrong, but it wor- it's worked for me for thirty more than 30 years, and it seems to work for Ben, and th- th- it really deepens your understanding of the whole thing. It just makes more sense. More I don't know why. Maybe it's because I grew up with this stuff, going to all your talks when I was like six. So don't know maybe, maybe I was indoctrinated. Yes, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it so so you asked Petra, and that's our take on it. So, right, Let's pause for a little news item. We're going to do kind of a variety show tonight. Uh, Pascagoula, Mississippi, one of our opening questions had to do with that. What happened in Pascagoula, Mississippi in 1973? Well, this is, uh, believe it or not, I found this on the uh, one of the wa- Newswire services, and you don't often see stories like this on that. Ben, if you'd like to Ooh, all right, read that uh, uh, or pick, pick and choose, whichever. All right, already, let's uh, start this off. So this was uh, actually just a few days ago, uh, about a week ago, actually, on uh, October 10th. So that was last Monday, yeah, last Monday. Um, and it starts off. Saying uh, Charles Hickson, or yeah, Charles Hickson um, never regretted the notoriety that came his way after he uh, told authorities he encountered an unidentified flying object and its occupants 40 years ago on the banks of the Pascagoula 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 River. Uh, it looks like I'm saying Pascagoula. Don't try and spell it. Yeah, no. I mean, I'm reading it. It just looks so strange. Um, until his death in 2011, Hickson told his story to anyone who would listen. But uh, Calvin Parker Jr., the uh, other man present for one of the most high-profile uh, UFO cases in American history, has never come to terms uh, with what he still says was a visit with uh, gray crab-clawed creatures from somewhere else. <laughs> crab... <laughs> Unless they came out of the Crab clawed creatures. Wow. Um, sounds like a uh, Gary Larson cartoon. Um, he says the encounter on October 11th, 1973, turned his life upside down. Quote, This is something I really didn't want to happen, unquote, Parker told the Associated Press as the 40th anniversary of the encounter approached. Parker was unnerved by initial, the, uh, by initial crush of, uh, initial crush of unwelcome attention with uh, newsmen and UFO enthusiasts overrunning uh, Walker Shipyard where he and Hickson worked. He tried to dodge the spotlight for decades, moving frequently uh, before returning to Mississippi's Gulf Coast in recent years. The incident made headlines uh, the incident made headlines sparked a wave of UFO sightings nationwide and became one of the most widely examined cases on record. Can I just stop you there? Yes. Just for a comment. You know, and, and you've heard this too. When we've interviewed people who have experienced UFO phenomena of this kind, particularly where it's the, uh, I suppose, um, encounters with actual beings and this kind of thing, yeah, they always say, you know, I didn't ask for this. You know, I didn't want this to happen. I think that's an important point to bring out because while there are a few who are publicity seekers and 
think they can make some money out of this. I don't know how. I've been doing this for 43 years. <laughs> uh, there's there's ways to make make niches in anything that you, I suppose. Yeah, you too. But but for the most part, the witnesses we know uh, would would have echoed that that we just don't don't uh, don't want didn't want this to happen. Right. Sort of an air right. of humility. All right. So. Um, I guess we'll take a break because I, I have no idea where we are because we're going 15 minutes later tonight. So uh, you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WON 1240 AM in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. Stay with us. Hi, this is Romeo Berthi. I'm inviting you to join me every Saturday morning from 6 to 9 for the Saturday Show. This all-request program includes music, news, sports, weather, and all sorts of community announcements. And what a great way to start your weekend. Join me this Saturday morning. Radio, Worldwide. And just, just to remind you, we are, of course, adopting various charities, Ben and myself, and especially veterans charities. So you want to check out buildershelpingheroes.org. They're building a house locally right here in... The area, uh, Burrowville, Rhode Island, uh, Harrisville actually to be specific, uh, for the uh, Kevin uh, Dubois family. And Kevin is a Marine Corporal who lost both his legs in Afghanistan on his second tour there. Wonderful, wonderful people. And they deserve this wonderful house that's being built uh, by uh, Builders Helping Heroes, Homes for Our Troops, and uh, the Rhode Island Builders Association. Great folks. Uh, also, uh, we want to remind you of Canadian Veterans Advocacy. Uh, from our, for our Canadian uh, cousins uh, who have been uh, standing by us uh, in the war on terror since the beginning. And uh, our good friend Mike Blaze has founded that uh, group in, in, uh, out of Ontario. And uh, they do a lot of uh, legislative lobbying for on behalf of veterans in Canada. And uh, you know what was done to our veterans here recently. I won't get into that, but you all know it, I hope. And uh, being a veteran myself, I'm extremely upset about that. But um, some of the Canadian veterans have faced some legislative challenges as well. So they're, they're both uh, great charities and also uh, usacares.org as well. So uh, pay, check those out and uh, help them if you can. Okay, let's get back to um, some of our communications here. We were talking uh, about the Pascagoula UFO case from 1973 and the kinds of things that these people go through. And again, uh, nobody asked for this uh, to happen. And uh, I mean, assuming that they are sincere people and it really did. So, Alrighty, so uh, continuing on... Um uh, we're going to continue with the paragraphs after saying uh, it's the most examined case on record. Skeptics ranged uh, from the de- the deputies who first interviewed the men to an author who sought to poke holes in the story. Ann Parker himself has had conflicting thoughts about whether he was visited by aliens or demons. Parker, now 58, uh, yeah, 58, uh, was 18 when he went fishing with Hickson on the uh, tran- on a tranquil Thursday um, uh, night after work. As they uh, dangled their lines without much luck, the two said a UFO with blue lights swooped down. Uh, and they told of a zipping noise uh, made by the object. Hickson, uh, then 42, said uh, three creatures with leathery gray skin and crab-like claws. He thought uh, they were robots. They uh, took them by the forearms and levitated them aboard the craft. He said something that uh, looked like a large floating eye appeared to examine him. Uh, Parker says he was conscious but paralyzed. And I just flip the page here. Uh, they quote: uh, "They gave me a thorough, and I mean thorough, examination uh, uh, to me, uh, just like any doctor would." Unquote. He said, and then they um, 
They were back on the shore where it all began. The UFO was gone, and Parker said uh, they tried to uh, collect themselves. Hickson uh, needed three shots of liquor from a bottle in his car to calm his nerves before deciding to report what happened. Uh, that doesn't really... Uh, <laughs> link, that doesn't really link Creedence to his case, now does it? <laughs> Supposedly hadn't done anything like that before he had the sighting. Right, 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 right. Uh, at the uh, Jackson County uh, Sheriff's Department, the deputies initially suspected both men were drunk. There we go. Uh, then Captain uh, Glenn Ryder, who uh, still works for the Sheriff's Office, said he laughed at the report uh, but uh, met with the men. Parker and Hickson stuck to their story. After the formal interview, deputy, deputies uh, left Hickson and Parker together in a room with a hidden tape recorder hoping to catch them in a lie. Uh, quote, me and the other investigator got up and left to let them talk uh, to see if they were going to say, well, we got them fooled, but they didn't. They were really concerned. On the tape, Hickson tells Parker, quote, it scared me to death too, son. Uh, you can't get over it in a lifetime. Uh, Jesus Christ have mercy, uh, unquote. Quote, I don't know uh, what happened to them, unquote, said uh, Ryder. Uh, I wasn't there uh, with them, but I know you don't fake fear, and they were fearful. They were fearful. The next afternoon, uh, the story was splashed across the front pages of newspapers in Pascagoula and uh, Gulfport. Overnight, Pascagoula became a magnet for news reporters and UFO investigators. Uh, Widespread interest of UFOs began in the 1940s with an incident at... um, uh, Roswell, New Mexico, in which UFO enthusiasts believe the government got its hands on a crashed UFO and alien bodies. The government uh, spent decades denying it, and still does. In the 1960s, uh, interest uh, flared anew with a series of reports, including the purported alien abduction of New Hampshire couple Betty and Barney Hill, whose niece is on our show rather frequently. Yeah, in 1961. Um, the widespread attention of the Pascagoula encounter set off a new round of reports. In South Mississippi, hundreds of reports overwhelming, uh, overwhelmed authorities in the uh, two weeks after the Hickson Parker encounter. There were hoaxes and humor too. Uh, a Long Beach, Mississippi, uh, yeah, a Long Beach, Mis- Long Beach, Mississippi uh, taxi driver told police a being with uh, pincers tapped on his window. A story he admitted later was fake. In uh, Mobile, Alabama. Uh, television, uh, television, what? I think the phone's ringing. Is it ringing? Oh, it is indeed. All right. Okay, well, we'll, we'll, well you get the point on that case. Uh, again, with these UFO cases, naturally, there's uh, some uh, healthy skepticism that has to be employed. However, when you have multiple witnesses, and I've been in cases, not UFO cases, but uh, situations with multiple witnesses, uh, seven people in one case, uh, then it, it, it really starts to become something you, you have to take a serious look at. And we have a caller. Hello. And welcome to Behind the Paranormal. You also, nice to speak with you. Um, you were talking about uh, the universe, um, infinity, reality. Now, I'm thinking it's Columbus Day. Columbus perceived the earth to be flat and fall off it. Well, not... That I- was his reality. Well, that's kind of a myth, really. Yeah. Well, well, no, I, I understand what the lady's saying. Right, now, right, right. reality can be whatever you perceive real yeah. to be. So, so uh, it's kind of a deep thought. It is, it is. So somewhere and some when, as we say in this multiverse, there, there really is a flat world. Otherwise, you would never be able to conceive of it. But what is reality? That's a good question. It, you know, I, I get deep in this and people laugh, but no one can really... 
say much about it, but you brought up the subject today. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, you're right. Now, now, I have to add a caveat to that, and that is that we have a responsibility, especially a personal responsibility, to deal with what we have and to keep our feet on the ground. And this is it, it can become a problem because as you develop even spiritual, I think what's happening is that you're perceiving more and more worlds where you live. All right? And the thing to do is to do it in a balanced manner, try to, and to uh, experience it in a beneficial way, uh, where you take from it the wisdom that you have in many lives and this this sort of thing. And it's a variation, I suppose. You know, I, I, I'm sorry, I just have one more thing yeah. to comment. When I was a child, I used to bother my mother so much with this question. I said, well, if the universe goes on forever, is there anything behind it and how far does it go? And she didn't want to talk about it because <laughs> I drove her crazy with that question. It intimidates people sometimes. It does. Yeah, It's yeah. a deep thought, and it's just very well, interesting to me. Well, very good. Very good. I'm glad you uh, you appreciate it. All right. Sure thank other people thank do. you, and I'm enjoying your program. Oh, good. Well, thank, thank you for calling. Okay. Okay, very good. Okay, so let's move beyond the uh, UFOs here. This is uh, from Francine in New York City. And I've marked off sections. Uh, okay. Uh, Francine, New York City. So she... Uh, is uh, saying to us, uh, wait, 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 where am I reading this? See where it's marked It says answer, not question. How hard can it be? It says answer next to no, it. No, it's her answer to my question. Oh, all right, all right, all right. Uh, unusual experiences are common in my family, she writes, uh, but a few hours after my dad died, when my uh, hard of hearing mom, daughter, and my dad's dog and I all heard him return to our house, that was one of the strangest. The dog, uh, who had been whining, stopped and rushed to the kitchen where we all heard uh, the locked outer door open and close. We followed, never saw the ghost, but we all felt certain he was with us. I, uh, isn't that interesting? Mm. I hear about this all the time. Now, here's an example of, of a multiversal experience. And you know, one thing I've noticed, there are two things in here that really drew my attention. One, dogs don't lie. They make mistakes. In the heart like of hearing mom. The wrong tree kind of thing. <laughs> the heart of hearing mom. And the other thing is that uh, the, the the more frequently you do something, the more fr- the more paths I suppose you could say it makes in the multiverse. The more worlds in which you do it. Okay. Right. So I think w- that that helps explain it, why you would hear somebody coming through the door as they would on an ordinary day, uh, walking someplace, and you've just been to their funeral. You know, and uh, this could this might continue. For a long time, uh, getting into the electronic voice phenomena thing, the EVP thing, which is so popular among the ghost bunch, yeah, there it is possible that you could get a recording, even if you didn't hear it with the naked ear, of this door opening and the footsteps and this kind of thing that that this fellow did for all those years. Because there are many, many worlds in which he did that and is still doing it, and they overlap very often. If, if the ducks are lined up uh, in physics. Uh, for that to occur, so I found that very interesting. So, but she immediately assumes it's a ghost, right? Okay, you can call it that, but she immediately assumes it's the spirit of her father. I found that very interesting. Well, I mean, he he uh, quote died unquote. So. Yeah. So, like, what else could it be? It illustrates right. exactly what we've been talking about. Indeed. So, uh, shall I move on? By all means. All right. Uh, so she goes on to answer another question, saying, uh, "Paranormal events happened to my grandmother, mother, and myself." in relationship um, to each other and our kids. I heard my daughter calling me from a camp over 100 miles away and later learned she had hurt her head and was in a short coma when I was uh, hearing her call me. 
My mom always knew when uh, something was wrong with me, even many years after I was married. I find that interesting as well. Now, this is a very common thing to hear, that uh, you are connected with a loved one, loved one even though they are a, a great distance away geographically. Uh, how often do we hear this? That even, even if you're not in this field, it's a common thing to hear. Oh, yeah. I mean, we were talking, we even talked about this in my media criticism course. <laughs> really? So, yeah, well, we were talking about Carl Jung, that's why. Oh, okay. Well, he was, very, he was a great psychologist, student of, of Freud, who thought You'd Freud never know it, though. <laughs> no, you never know. He decided Freud kind of had a lot of issues. And uh, Carl Jung, the great fellow, came up with the idea of the collective unconscious, uh, and which is, I suppose, equivalent to the multiverse idea, in a sense, or at least non-locality. Right. Right. And he was interested in the paranormal. Uh, lived until the what? He died in the 1960s, right? Yeah, so he was, uh, pretty think, old, but he I was think around. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, was, he he did a lot. Great psychologist. Yeah, so good for him. Uh, anyway, so that's who your Ben's referring to. Right, 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 right. But yeah, uh, no, it's extremely interesting. Uh, very, very multiversal situation. And uh, there you go. I mean, these people obviously are very sensitive. We usually use the word sensitive as meaning psychic. But what is psychic? How does it work? What is it? I think it's it's the ability to uh, apprehend with your mind, or sometimes even your body, various parallel worlds. Alrighty. That's how you know stuff. Oh, sorry. I thought you were finished. I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No, go ahead. Sorry. Alrighty. So uh, moving on. Um, when asked the question um, uh, about uh, further experiences, she says, uh, My grandmother claimed her life was saved by an invisible wall in Russia. If she had not uh, been stopped from proceeding straight ahead, she would have been killed when uh, Cossack soldiers roared down the street mere minutes after she had been uh, turned away. Well, you know, that reminds me of many of the saints of both East and West. If you read their lives... Now, admittedly, there's a certain amount of pious embellishments, maybe sometimes, but the the point of uh, this statement being that, that you've got I think th- things that could be interpreted as psychic, many things that could be we we might call multiversal, many experiences, bilocation, even flight, uh, are sometimes and, and knowledge of things that are taking remote viewing, as we would call it today. Mm. Their lives are full of these things. As a matter of fact, we had a whole show on the paranormal lives of the saints. This isn't to say that it's not holy or a gift from God or anything like that. It's just to say that they had it. And I suppose uh, whether it is a gift or not, whether it is a good thing to have, depends on how it's used. So Right. Yeah. All right. So moving on. So what moving is, on, what, what, is, uh, what is next? Ben, mentioned, you mentioned the Roswell case uh, uh, yes. in that UFO report. And I know we're kind of jumping around here tonight, but that's the uh, the, the beauty of a variety show, I suppose. Uh, this is an interesting report in reference to Roswell. Next we'll have Vaudeville Act. Paranormal vaudeville. Well, you can do that. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Tumbling and all that stuff. Alrighty, so uh, we're going to go on here to the uh, General's Widow in Roswell. Uh, Captivating incredible testimony recently obtained from an elderly widow uh, of a highly placed U.S. uh, Air Force uh, general reveals that the uh, Roswell crash of 1947 was, in fact, an extraterrestrial event. Her confession affirms that the true nature of the wreck has been shrouded in secrecy for decades, even from those at the highest levels of government. Her husband, General Harry N. Uh, Cordes, is it? Cord- well, I, I don't know. But I, I don't know who it is. But I, don't know, I see the ES, and I say Cordes. I know he existed. And that this yeah. is Anyway, he, present, he, he possessed top secret um, SCI clearance. Uh, do you know what that is? Yes. 
SCI. I, I did my at my age. I special can't special clearance ID. I don't know. Um, and uh, was uniquely positioned to be in the no. Quote, I think unquote. it's a category of clearance. Right, right, Secret, right, 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 yeah, right. I don't, I don't know. All right, uh, and he was in the position to be in the no on such matters. Perhaps no other military man in history can lay claim to having been stationed at Roswell uh, Army Airfield in July of 1947. Later, uh, with Wright Patterson Air Force Base, to uh, have worked at Area 51, uh, been employed by the CIA to have uh, acted as Deputy Chief of Staff at Intelligence Headquarters for the Strategic Air Command, and uh, still later to have uh, led many intelligence functions at the Pentagon. The uh, Corday story is a telling one and leaves little doubt that what fell from the skies uh, to the desert floor in New Mexico six decades ago was not from Earth. In 1947, uh, Cordes was stationed at uh, Roswell, uh, or RAAF, as a radar operator. Uh, it was there that he met um, Rogine. Rogine? All these names are so strange to me. Yeah. Uh, his future wife, Rogine's father, uh, father's cattle and sheep ranch, uh, was adjacent to the Roswell crash site. Ha! <laughs> uh, I think that's kind of romantic in a very strange way um <laughs> yeah it is uh rogine cordace with whom uh the, this author has had extensive dialogue over several months it's uh Ro- rogine cordace is the general's widow who uh, felt compelled in the winter of her life to now tell all about uh, what she and her husband knew about the roswell crash and its history making implications see now the thing i have about this is how would she know that's what bothers me too. As you know, I can't talk about half the stuff I did in the military. Um, never mind. Yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 something like, as classified as that. Yeah, exactly. That's why it's like, why would why would she know? Usually, they don't. They're not supposed to tell anybody anything. Well, there, there are deathbed confessions. It doesn't make any difference anymore. So, I mean, you do hear about that. Uh, for example, the doctor, the British doctor, who admitted that the the famous 1936 or 37 photo of the Loch Ness Monster was actually faked. Oh, yeah, he did that on that vacation kind of or something. But generally, uh, secrets, military secrets, I don't... I, I once wrote an article for Yankee Magazine, and uh, it was about the Situate, Rhode Island, uh, Chapman's Hill, to be specific, area, which the local listeners know about. And uh, th- there were important things going on there during World War II that a lot of people still don't realize. The uh, FCC, Federal, the Federal Communications Commission, our good friends, uh, always uh, had had a radio monitoring station there that picked up critical information, without which we might not we might have lost World War Two. Mm-hmm. I don't get into it on this show. It's not history is not necessarily our bailiwick here. But it is a variety show. Well, that's true, but it's nothing paranormal, that I, as far as I know. Right. But the point being that. Um, I talked with uh, Thomas B. Cave, who was the, the commander of that facility, two weeks before he died, because I was writing an article for Yankee Magazine about this. And he still would not talk about things, because they're still classified until 2069. People took their security uh, responsibilities seriously. In my day, as I've said before, it was more false information and just keep them guessing because they realized you really couldn't keep secrets as the information age, at least not to this degree, as the information age uh, kept going on. But in any case, uh, it does make me a little suspicious, but there's no reason to believe, I hear from other sources, that that, that is accurate, whatever the case uh, may be. So, uh, well, we're going to, yeah, we're going to be extending our show for another 15 minutes to make up for um, the Autumn Fest uh, closing ceremony. So we'll be right back after legal ID and some more legal stuff 
and some weather. So stay with us right here on Behind the Paranormal on ON 1240 Winsocket Radio. Stay with us. This is ON 1240 WOON Winsocket. This ON 1240 weather forecast is brought to you by the Thrifty Witch Consignment Shop in Bellingham at the Bellingham Marketplace right off Route 126 at 799 South Main Street. The Thrifty Witch features crystals, books, clothing, jewelry, furniture, home decor, and more, and they buy, sell, or trade. The Thrifty Witch Consignment Shop in Bellingham, Route 126. Call 508-876-2720. Tonight, mostly cloudy skies, low temperature around 48 Tuesday's weather, partly sunny with a high near 69. Tuesday night, partly cloudy, low around 49. Wednesday, mostly cloudy with a high near 65. Thursday, partly sunny, high 68. Friday, mostly sunny, high near 64. Saturday, mostly sunny, high near 64. And Sunday, mostly sunny and a high near 61. OM Radio. Welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben. You know, I am Ben, and just across 